What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Cavalier Central, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. It's always fun when the Wizards are able to win a game. Um, today it was in kind of semi-convincing fashion. Um, just just an absolutely wild game. Um, from the beginning, um, just like at the very beginning of the first quarter, the Pistons just actually looked pretty decent. Um, and then all of a sudden the lead went out to like, I think at one point it was 74 to 44 in favor of the Wizards um, early in the third quarter. At that point, um, the Wizards actually pulled Bradley Beal because he landed a little... Uh, he landed pretty hard on his right hip um, during the second quarter towards the end. Um, so it was 74 to 44 around that point. The Wizards just took Beal out of the game because, like, why would you leave him in? It's a 30-point game. Um, ESPN's win probability model. At that point, at the Wizards had a 99.7% chance to win. Um, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> the Pistons went on, like, a crazy run. Um, I think at one point they cut the they cut the lead to three at one point. Um, yeah, so with in the fourth quarter, at one point, the lead was only three points in favor of the Wizards. Um, but yeah, after that, Pistons just couldn't get anything offensively. The Wizards um, started to hit some more shots, um, run some more offense, and they got back to their lead. Eventually, they finally won by 14 points. Um, and they only won by 14 points because uh, Servetus, um three at the end to cut it from 17 to 14. That was, I thought that was hilarious um, because he's like one of these guys that really shouldn't be in the league. Um but he's, you know, he's here. Um, so, yeah, I want to, at one point, I, I will look up his international stats just to share why I don't think he should be in the league. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, good win for the Wizards overall. But the, I guess the most concerning thing is um, what's Bradley Beal going to look like? Um, Beal hurt his hip in this game, like I said earlier. Um, they're labeling it as a hip contusion, um, which is a good thing. Um, but obviously, they haven't done the x-rays in the full um, evaluation of him yet, um, but he was able to continue in the game for a little bit. Um, he probably played like five, 
ish minutes of game time after he got hurt. Um, so that's always a convincing sign. Like if he like fractured his hip or something, then obviously um, he wouldn't have played so much afterwards. Uh, but yeah, um, Beal looked pretty, pretty good when he was out there. He only played 21 minutes tonight. Um, he had 17 points in those 21 minutes, 17 points coming on 12 shooting possessions, which is super efficient. Um, and he was plus 18 again in those 21 minutes, which is crazy. Um, Someone who I thought had a pretty good night tonight was Rui. Um, Rui looked aggressive out there. Um, he shot the ball 11 times, had 14 points. Um, was pretty solid on defense, too. Like, I thought overall he had a really good night. Um, plus 23 in 35 minutes. Um, also, that's a pretty high mini count for Rui. Um, but, yeah, just being aggressive out there um, and just trying to attack, being in attack mode is always a really, really good thing. And I'm glad that Scott Brooks rewarded Rui for playing well, playing hard this whole entire game. Um, he also had, like, the play of his career with that dunk that he had on Isaiah Stewart. Um, I believe he slipped out of a screen, um, rolled down the rim, got a pass from Westbrook, and just just absolutely destroyed Isaiah Stewart. That was just so great to see um, because Rui, you know, he's had his struggles finishing around the rim um, this entire season and last season. Um, so just to see him use his length, size, athleticism, strength um, against someone who's really strong and long in Isaiah Stewart, that was great. Um, Westbrook was, uh, I don't know, questionable. Um not his best game scoring. Like he was solid as a facilitator. He had 19 points, um, coming on 21 shooting possessions, which isn't good. A lot of his shot selection was, you know, Westbrook of two months ago, not Westbrook of this past couple weeks, um, which is disappointing to see. Especially like he's kind of he went he kind of reverted back to what he used to be, um, during that really really big Pistons run that they went on. Um, and that's part of why like the Wizards couldn't generate any offense because he wasn't playing well at all. Um, but he definitely stepped up a little bit in the fourth quarter in terms of playmaking. He ended up with 10 assists, which is always a good thing. He was plus 18 overall on the night, despite being on the floor for a lot of that Pistons run, um, which is a pretty good number. It's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I guess someone else I've talked about, Denny Avdia got his, one of his first careers. No, cause he started at the beginning of the season, right? Um, so he, he did get back in the starting lineup tonight, um, in place of Garrison Matthews. He ended up with five points to a six from the field. Like he... He's just not ready. Like, I don't understand the logic behind him starting. I guess, like, if you look across to the other team, um, they're starting lineup and I guess, like, I'm trying to figure out the rationale. I guess, like, just to match up with um, the front line of Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant, um, instead of having Garrison Matthews um, playing the de facto three, they wanted Denny Avdi in that position, um, I guess, to match up with Sadiq Bay. But, like, I don't really get that. Sadiq Bay is not going to, like, just post up and kill Garrison Matthews. Um, it's not like he's just going to use his size and just absolutely destroy Matthew. So I, I don't know. I think that's kind of questionable. And I think like the, the results showed like Avdi was not good tonight. Um, which like he's like what nineteen twenty. Like you can't really expect him to just throw him in the starting lineup in an NBA game and be good. Like he's just not ready. Um, so I didn't understand that decision. He still played twenty seven minutes. Um, Scott Brooks let him play through it because the Wizards were playing, winning by so much most of the game. Um, and I do support that move if the Wizards are winning by so much then. You know, no harm, no foul. Um, I guess I have, to talk, I have to talk about Daniel Gafford. He had 13 points. Like, I don't think he's that good. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He has these flashes of bad, um, but he also has these flashes of brilliance. Like, he's super athletic, just a pogo stick out there. He plays really, really hard. Um, and if you're that athletic, you're that tall, and you play really hard, you can get minutes in this league. Uh, I think Gafford's a perfectly fine, uh, like, backup center. Um, I don't think he has upside to be a starter. I just don't think he really knows enough what he's doing. Um, he does a lot of stupid things out there. Um, not really a passer at all. Like, can't really do anything with the ball in his hands. Um, and then defensively just needs to work on his IQ, needs to work on his positioning. Um, but, yeah, you saw the ups and downs of him in this game. Um, but definitely, like, the ups of him are really fun. Like, he does make this team more fun. I, I, I'll get into a little – no, I'll get into it. Um, yeah, I'll get into it more right now about, like, why I think he's so good for this team. 
So I think Gafford um, fits his team well because he gives the Wizards an element of something that they haven't had before, which is vertical floor spacing. Um, like just in terms of horizontal floor spacing, that's what um, Garrison Matthews provides. That's what um, Dallas Rutans provides. But that's also kind of what the Wizards are struggling with a little bit with like Rui out there still isn't a threat to shoot the ball. Denny's not a threat to shoot the ball. Um, none of their centers are <laughs> any threat to shoot the ball. Um, Bonga's not a threat to shoot the ball. Like Neto is like, Teams don't really, really respect Neto out there. Like the only guys who are really threats to shoot the ball are Bradley Beal, uh, Dallas Rutans, and Garrison Matthews. Um, besides that, no one else really, really gets guarded out there. Um, and that's a problem, especially when Westbrook is trying to run a pick and roll and the weak side corner um, is someone that, you know, is um, not a shooter. Um, the defense can just help up so far. I'm um, not worried about it. Um, and it doesn't really matter. Um, but with Daniel Gafford in there, um, and it, it makes you, um, I guess, so I'll say, I'll go back. I'll revert back to my previous statement where, um, so that combined with the lack of a the vertical threat, um, it kind of just lets a weak side corner defender, like they don't really have to worry too much and the teams can just play a deep drop um, without much worry at all. Um, that's what a lot of teams have been doing against Westbrook. They go, they can combine an under with a deep drop and like how it's hard because Westbrook gets a, around the guy who's going under the screen. Like if he turns the corner, then he's just turning the corner into the big that's already dropping. Um, but if he's turning the corner into the big that's dropping and he has a vertical threat um, coming down the lane, um, then that makes it really interesting. That gives it Wizards a really, really interesting look um, because then, um, you know, you need a weak side tag. Um, if Westbrook turns a corner against an under, which kind of like an un- like going under screen is a little bit susceptible to that. Um, if you have a ball handler that is really um, athletic and explosive, kind of like a Russell Westbrook, um, not as much anymore, obviously, but like someone like that. Um, so him, if he can turn the corner after a team goes under or even like it just get downhill, the team goes over and they're playing a drop, um, which most teams do against him. Um, and then you have Daniel Gafford as a rim runner. Um, then the weak side corner all of a sudden has to tag a little sooner, like half a step, a step sooner, or at least has to think about it a little more. And then that's where Westbrook can get so dangerous. Um, he has the option of driving all the way to the rim, which is something that I want to see him go to more still. Um, but he can also throw the lob to Gafford. Um, he's been able to use that lob threat in the past um, with guys like Serge Ibaka, um, and he's had success with those types of guys. Um, but then also something he's gotten really, really good at, I've talked about a lot on this pod, is finding that weak side corner. Um, but that weak side corner guy has to be someone that can shoot. Um, and if it is, then like the Wizards pick and roll game with Daniel Gafford being inserted into the lineup um, gets a lot more interesting. Um, that's something I didn't really necessarily think of a lot or enough of um, when the Wizards traded for Gafford. Um, but his vertical spacing. Um, but I do think that that makes their team um, potentially really interesting if they can make sure um, to run actions with guys, well, three guys in particular, Dallas Rutans, um, Bradley Beal, or um, what's uh, who's the last guy? Garrison Matthews in that weak side corner. Um, otherwise, the action, you know, they can just help easily. It's the same problem that we already have. Um yeah, I also think that it opens up some interesting stack actions like um, Bradley Beal setting a back screen for Daniel Gafford and then popping out. Um, that's going to get that much harder to guard because um, Daniel Gafford, like if you try to switch that action, um, Daniel Gafford is going to go over you and catch a lob. Um, you know, stuff like that. Or like, yeah, you know, Bradley Beal sending back screens for Gafford, like those types of actions, like hesitate for a second, all of a sudden it's a lob. Like having a lob threat is not really something that the Wizards have had in a while. Like I can't even remember the last time the Wizards had a serious lob threat. Like their last center was like Gortat. The backup was like Jason Smith. Um, and then like, I guess before that, like, I guess the last lob, true, true lob that they had was JaVale McGee. 
Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Scott Brooks utilizes um, actually having a lob threat on their team. Um, I guess Thomas Bryant is the closest thing they've had to like a true, true lob threat, but Thomas Bryant is not the athlete that Daniel Gafford is. Um, at one point, Daniel Gafford um, at Arkansas, um, he was like thought to be like a potential lottery pick because he was just so athletic, so, like such a raw talent. Um, it didn't really pan out that way for him, but yeah, just picking him up. Um, I'm, I am warming up to the move. I'm still not a fan of giving up Troy Brown to do it. Uh, I guess the combination of Troy Brown and Mo Wagner, you can see Mo Wagner immediately got flipped for Daniel Tice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still very questionable about the move. And again, I don't think Chandler Hutchins is going to be in the rotation at all. And if he is, I think he's going to be hurting the team. Um, so, I mean, we'll we'll kind of see how that goes. But I am, um, that made me a little bit more exciting just thinking about it, seeing it on the floor, seeing how it could potentially work down the road. Um, I'll, I'll talk about, um, for a second, Garrison Matthews at the bench. I'm um, only at six points, but again, his spacing and his defense, his hustle, all that, I love it. Um, I really think it does work with the starting lineup. I think him spacing the floor with Westbrook makes tons of sense, especially uh, next to Rui. It opens up a little bit more of driving lane for him. It opens up a little bit more for, um, you know, pick and roll with Russell Westbrook and Alex Len. Um, it just, it makes so much sense to have someone that can really, really space the floor out there with um, Russell Westbrook, Rui Hachimura, Alex Len, like three guys who aren't really, really spacers like that. Um, so I don't really, I'm not a fan of putting him, come bring him off the bench at all. Um, I think his minutes should be really, really closely attached to Russell Westbrook's minutes because Garrison Matthews and Russell Westbrook, I think is a good combo. Um, I mean, did I even talk about the, I haven't even talked, gone over the four factors, that type of stuff yet. Um, and I, I didn't even talk about the records. I skipped a bunch of stuff. I just realized. Um, so, okay. Coming in this game, the Pistons were 12 and 32. The Wizards were 15 and 28. The Wizards pushed their record to 16 and 28 with this win. And the Pistons fall to 12 and 33. Um, I have to pull up the team stats for the Pistons. Um, I just skipped over, man, I don't know how I forgot all this stuff right at the beginning. Um, so team stats for the Pistons, um, their offense dreadful. Um, and you can tell that from the eye test. Um, but overall, their point differential is minus 5.0, which is 25th in the league. Um, their offense is 25th uh, with an offensive rating of 108.2, which is not good at all. Um, effective field percentage is 28th in the league. Turnover percentage is 23rd in the league. They're just completely lacking a true point guard they can really recreate. And that is very, very obvious when you watch them play. Um, their defense also is not good either. 19th in defense with a defense rating of 113.1. Um, 22nd in opponent effective field goal percentage. 24th in opponent offense rebound rate. Um, 18th in opponent like free throw. Like These are not good numbers. Um, not good numbers at all. Um, going over the four factors and the overview type of stuff. Um, yeah, this game was visibly ugly and from the Pistons side. Their offensive rating was terrible. Their offensive rating was 88.2, um, which is in the second percentile. The Wizards' offensive rating was 101.9, which is in the 18th percentile. But hey, you know, you got to win how you're going to win. Um, the effective field goal percentage for both sides was not good. Um, Pistons were 44.7, which is in the 8th percentile. Wizards were 53.3. Um, turnover percentage for both sides was high offensive rebound rate for both sides was low um free throw rate for both sides was really really low just an ugly offensive game like i'm not even going to sit here and try to sugarcoat oh the defense no the defense was not so good um these offenses just neither of them are very good um and i will attribute that a lot um from the pistons perspective um from not really having a true point guard um Corey joseph is a fine role player um on a better team like i think he actually Eh, I don't know because the shooting is kind of questionable so I don't really know how he scales to a better team he's more of just a like he can guard guards really well and I like how much else does he really really do um because he's not necessarily a distributor um not really going to run tons of pick and roll for you um Saban Lee um I think he's interesting because he's a pretty good athlete um but yeah, he's just not ready to be a starting point guard in the NBA yet um he played 24 minutes um he 
you know, he has flashes of, you know, doing good stuff out there. He actually, I think coming in, he was at 6'2". I think he looks a little bigger than that. Um, but yeah, and saving Lee as your starting point guard is not a recipe for good offense. And then like Frank Jackson um, and Corey Joseph as your two backup point guards, again, not a recipe for good offense. Those guys are not known as, you know, primary distributors. Um, like the best distributor on this team is probably Corey Joseph, and that's <laughs> that's not good at all. Um, also, Jimmy Grant only played 19 minutes in this game. Um, but even when he was on the floor, this team was minus 22. Jimmy Grant, um, he can score. He's not going to create for others necessarily. Um, and like, who's he guarding out there? Like, I guess he's matching up on Rui, um, but that's not really the primary concern for opposing teams. Um, so he's not really bringing his greatest strengths, um, which is, you know, being able to um, get some shot score um, at an efficient level, which he has been this season. And then you know, guard the other team's best player. Um, if the other team's best player is Bradley Beal, um, they're guarding him a lot with Sadiq Bey, especially in the beginning. So um, Jeremy Grant um, can't really have the impact that he usually has. Um, and also he got hurt, so obviously he's not going to have the impact he usually has. Um, he also, like, this team... I, let me just go through the players that play in the rotation in this game. So Jeremy Grant, um, obviously the best player. After that, you got Sadiq Bey, um, Plumlee, Saban Lee, Wayne Ellington, Tyler Cook got 16 minutes in this game. Sekou Dumboya got only five minutes. Um, he played five minutes. He did not play well at all in those five minutes. He got yanked. Uh, Isaiah Stewart played 21 minutes. I like watching Isaiah Stewart play. Um, he's pretty big and strong. Like He's only like 6'8", I want to say. Um, but, man, he's just so strong. His arms are so long, Like, and he gets after it. He knows what he's doing out there. Like, um, and he's one of those guys where like you can hear him communicating when you're watching it on TV, which is great. Uh, I love all those types of guys. Um, so I, I really do like watching Isaiah Stewart. I think that they actually have something in him. Um, I think I still think picking him 16th in the draft was too high, but you know, whatever. Um, they got Frank Jackson played 16 minutes. Josh Jackson played 22 minutes. Corey Joseph played 29 minutes. Davidis Servitas played one minute. Um, he had three points. He scored a buzzer beater at the end. He was plus two overall. <laughs> hashtag free Davidas Servitas, um, but not really because he's terrible. Um, yeah, actually, I do. I want to pull up his stats super, super quick. Um, just, just to have a little fun here. Like that game was. Let's be honest, that was not the most exciting. I'm trying to figure out how to spell Servitas. Um, international stats. Yeah, that wasn't the most exciting game in the world. Like, let's be honest. Like. <laughs> Who besides me was really like just staying up and watching that game? Um, Davidis Servitas in the 2019 Euro Cup. Um, he played for Raitas. I, I don't really know where that team is located. Um, but that's who he played for in the Euro Cup. He um, averaged 15.5 minutes a game. He scored 6.6 points a game. Like, wow. Like, the, <laughs> the, not the typical um, NBA player overseas numbers. Um, I want to find... I want to find his um, real GM. I can't find it, though. Whatever. Okay, so I'm not going to find his real GM stats, but Davidis Servitas averaged six points in the Euro Cup. Um, that's all you need to know about how you know deserving he is in the NBA. Kind of reminds me of an old Wizards player by, who goes by the name of Andrix Pasek Sneaks, um, who's disappointingly not on the Wizards anymore um, because I love to make fun of him on the pod. Um, but anyways, oh, I do want to talk about Jerome Robinson got minutes. Um and they were ugly. Oh, my God. I cannot believe that the Wizards were starting Jerome Robinson at one point in the season. Like, he's just not good at all. I'm so glad that they didn't pick his um, fourth-year option. Um, and, man, I can't believe the Clippers picked him, like, so early in the draft. They picked him over Michael Porter Jr. I get that. Um, but to pick him over some of the other guys that went after that, like, come on, man. <laughs> like, man, 
I feel bad for Jerome Robinson. Um, he seems like a good guy. He's always cheering on the bench, even though he gets no minutes. Um, he's just completely falling out of favor with the coaching staff with Scott Brooks. Um, so yeah, but he got minutes tonight. Um, just didn't show out. But it's such a tough situation, like being out of the rotation for two months and then just being asked to play 18 minutes. That's like impossible. Um, so I do feel bad for him there. But like he's, I he might be out of the league by next year. Like it wouldn't shock me at all if he just doesn't get signed at all. He's just playing in Europe or like Australia. Or, I, some plays like that. Um, yeah, I de- um, let's see. I want to see how far I am into this podcast. Okay, 18 minutes. So super quick, I want to go over um, the Wizards' stats without Bradley Beal, just in case the Wizards have an extended period of time without him, um, because that would make me very nervous. Um, as a Wizards fan, as someone who wants you know the team to succeed, um, just thinking about Bradley Beal not being on the team for a, you know maybe a week, um, you know maybe shorter, maybe longer. I have no idea. Um, that just just makes me horrified. <laughs> okay, so the Wizards' normal point differential is minus four point seven. Not good at all. Um, but um, off the court, when I switch it to Bradley Beal. Okay, filter lineups. Okay, lineups without Bradley Beal. Loading, loading, loading. Oh my God. Um, so their point differential drops to minus six point eight without Bradley Beal on the floor. Their offensive rating is terrible. Um. And that showed in this game. That's a big reason why the um, Pistons went on a run. They went on a run because, yeah, they were hitting some shots. Like Wayne Ellington, give him some credit. He was making shots. Um, but um, the Wizards, like, you know, if the other team's making shots or you're making shots, it's not that big a deal. You're just watching them out. But if you only scored, like, five points, like, the, I don't remember how big the run was. I think I wrote in my notes. The Pistons went on a 31-5 to run. Um, and the 31-5 to run was over the course of a long time. It wasn't just over the course. Like, the Pistons exploded for 31 points in five minutes. It was, like, over the course of, like, a whole quarter. Um, so over the whole... Or actually, no. It's in the ESPN. Um, why am I being dumb? So the third quarter, um, the score was 34-11 to in favor of the Detroit Pistons, um, which is crazy. Um, absolutely crazy. To only score 11 points in a quarter, um, that's bad. Especially in the first two quarters, they scored 33 and 35. Obviously, the stark difference being um, Bradley Beal was not available for that third quarter, um, except for like the first two minutes where the you know he kept the Wizards teams above water. Like the first play of the game, they came out there in an empty side, side pick and roll, um, and they got a wide open dunk. Um, so just, you know, Bradley Beal is a pretty big factor. Um, so their offense rating is in the third percentile without Bradley Beal on the floor at 101.2. Um, which is really, really bad. Um, and their defensive rating is actually fine. It's at 108, which is actually really, really good. That's in the 86th percentile. Um, part of that is because Bradley, when Bradley Beal is off the floor, usually they're playing against bench units. Um, so that is why um, the defense would be like that. But like, if you use that logic, then shouldn't the offense be better? Because the offense is also playing against bench units. But also then you have to kind of use the logic of like, yeah, but then like the Wizards bench units are on. Um, so, so to try to filter for that, I want to um, do lineup on the court. Um, Russell Westbrook. This is an alphabetical order. I struggle with this every time. Russell Westbrook and Rui Hachimura to try to filter out some of these like um, lower tier bench lineups um, and cleaning the glass. Um, so 102 offensive rating. Oh my God. Okay, so lineups without Bradley Beal and with Russell Westbrook and Rui Hachimura. I did this try to to try to filter out the bench lineups. Um, this is only on 279 possessions. Um, point differential minus 5.1. Um, not good. Um, offensive rating in the first percentile with 98.9, which is terrible, but the defensive rating is 96, um, 96 percentile with 104.0. I want to look at some of the shooting stuff. So the offensive shooting frequency, um, they're shooting about average from three, um, for themselves. Um, yeah, the shooting stuff doesn't look too weird. Um, the opponent shooting stuff, um, does look weird. Um, so the opponents, um, when Bradley Beal is off the floor and, um, 
Westbrook and Hachimura are on the floor. Um, 23.4% of the rim, which is just completely abnormal. You cannot expect that at all. Um, and then 29.5% from three, also completely abnormal. Cannot expect that at all. Um, so the numbers, um, even like the defensive numbers, I'm um, just looking quickly looking at the stats. Like those are luck based. Those are not really necessarily skill based of the lineups. Um, and the most common lineup or the most yeah the most common group is um, Westbrook, Neto, Abdia, Hachimura, and Lopez. And then the next most common group is um, Westbrook, Matthews, Abdia, Hachimura, and Len. Um, so we're going to be seeing those groups if Bradley Beal doesn't play. Um, potentially one of those groups might be a starting lineup. Um, and yeah, if like those are those are the numbers that I just looked at, that's kind of scary. Um, and not kind of scary, that's like terrifying if the Wizards had to play a couple games without Bradley Beal. Um, but we'll see. Um, you never know. Um, so yeah, definitely, I am just want to go through my notes super quick. And then that'll be that. Um, you know, obviously, <laughs> not the best game. I want to see Wizards schedule. Okay, the Wizards' next game is against the Pacers on Monday. The Pacers are, you know, <laughs> they're struggling a little bit, so hopefully the Wizards can get another game. But also on Monday, it gives Bradley Beal an extra day of the rest. That's a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to go through my notes, let you get out of here. Um, so, first thing I wrote down right away, um, Sadiq Bay was face-guarding Bradley Beal right away. Plumlee is coming um, up to the level of the ball screens. First play of the game, um, the Wizards used Len in the short roll, um, and Denny made a nice cut, and the Wizards ended up scoring on that play, I believe. Um <laughs> literally like two seconds in the game, I wrote Pistons offense has just no creation for others, um, which ended up being true for the whole rest of the game. Um, was it having success attacking? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Pistons try to do a strategy that mo- a lot of teams have been doing, which is just face guard Bradley Beal. Don't let him get the ball. If he does get the ball, you don't really, really help off. Um, they kind of semi tried that strategy, but they didn't help off as aggressively as some other teams do. And they also they fa- didn't they didn't face guard him as gr- aggressively as other teams do. Um, and that's how Bradley Beal was able to be successful. Um, they just didn't guard him as aggressively as other teams do. Um, and that I think that was a mistake from them um, in terms of game planning. Um, <laughs> I wrote in the first quarter, Gafford may not be great, but he makes his team more fun, which he does. Um, he's fun to watch. Um, but, you know, sometimes a little bit head-scratching and frustrating. But, you know, whatever. Um, he's only in, like, what, his second year? So that's going to happen. Um, having a big with some vertical gravity, I talked about that. Um, this team is, <laughs> this is what I wrote about the Pistons in the second quarter. I wrote, this team is just terrible on offense. Cook and Plumlee doesn't make any sense. Lee is not an NBA ready point guard. Um, yeah, I talked about, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they played, they played Tyler Cook and Mason Plumlee, or yeah, Plumlee together. Uh, that, those minutes were ugly. Oh my God. Um, yeah, Pistons, <laughs> they're also missing some guys. Like I, I haven't said that yet. Um, but like the game, they weren't like massive needle moving level guys. Like Killian Hayes, like is not good at all. Um, or at least he wasn't. Obviously, he's like a teenage point guard in the NBA. That usually doesn't work. Um, in the th- beginning of the third quarter, Robio doesn't look right with his hip injury. Why is he in? Question mark. Um, pretty good question. He shouldn't have been in. Like that didn't make any sense. Um, I wrote these non-Bio minutes are still not good. Joseph on Russ and the Wizards struggling to score at all. Um, yeah, Corey Joseph, give him credit. Um, he's good at guarding guards. That's you know his role. That's what he can do on better teams. Um, that's what he did for the um, Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, throughout this season and last season. Um, so that is something he can do. Um, and then my last note, um, Isaiah Stewart is exposing the Wizards when um, they help the helper. Um, he's just killing them on the offensive glass. Um, and, they, you know, that's a little bit of an effort level thing, but also, like, you know, Garrison Matthews would help the helper, and then all of a sudden Garrison Matthews is tasked with bossing out Isaiah Stewart, and that's just not a good matchup at all. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got. Um, definitely tune into the next Wizards game against the Pacers on Monday, and I'll have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsWizardsPod. I'll see you next time.